0: Grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now, this is a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and then find it to the full. And that's what Jesus promised in John 10:10. 10, 10. And we're in a series called Outside the Circle and a Faith Gone Viral. You know, from the beginning of Christianity, this faith movement spread like a virus. It went viral. The early believers had certain qualities that led non-believers to change their mind and join the faith. Today, Pastor Sean will talk about those qualities and show us how we can live consistent with those qualities today. The message is called "Show Me. It's time for reaching for real life."
1: Viral faith requires less telling and selling and more tasting and seeing. And remember last week we talked about the salesman approach. We got lots of telling and selling. We got lots of books, we got lots of words. Viral faith requires less telling and selling and more tasting and seeing. See, when it comes to faith like this, everyone is from Missouri, kind of. You know what I'm saying? Because when it comes down to it, they all want want you to show them. You know, Missouri is a show-me state. (laughs) Wow, we have some fans. Excellent. Excellent. Somebody show her, please. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, you know, the whole thing is show me. It's the show me state. I'll believe it when I see it. You see, we've got, we've got way too much talk and not enough walk in this faith of ours. And that's what people are pushing back against. Now, next week, we're going to focus on the demonstration of the Spirit and power, because he talked about that. But this week, I want us to look at the other demonstration that Paul mentioned. You're like, wait a minute, I didn't see another demonstration. Well, it's in verse 2. He says, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's it. Nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, I think some people have been thrown by this passage. I think a lot of people have taken that passage to mean, yeah, you don't need to study any of the parts of the Bible. You don't need to to teach on anything else, but it's just that, just that, just that. I I don't really think that's what Paul was saying. I think he's talking about a demonstration. Because listen to what Paul wrote in one of his other letters, the book of Romans, chapter 5, verse 8. He said, but God demonstrates his love, his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, the cross is the other demonstration. Jesus Christ and him crucified is the greatest demonstration in human history. God loved us so much, he died for us on a cross, And the reason it's so powerful is because people are made to be loved. They are hungry for love. They sense a deep need for love. I don't care who it is. The most vile critic, the the strongest opponent of the faith, the persecutor, they have this inner need, hunger, and desire for love. That's why love is the most viral aspect of our faith. Love is the thing that caused and can cause again our faith to go viral. Now, I want to talk real quickly this morning about three demonstrations of God's love. The first is God's love is demonstrated in the cross. God's love is demonstrated in the cross. Now, when you look at the cross, what do you see? I mean, think about it. Think of Jesus Christ on the cross. People wonder, what's the big deal about the cross? This is, this is the center. This is the essential doorway to the Christian faith, to the relationship we we're created for. Well, what do you see when you look at the cross? If you see Jesus hanging on the cross, you're going to see one of three things. Okay, You're either going to see a criminal who deserved to be there, a scoundrel, a charlatan, someone who obviously deserved to be there, and he is being crucified for crimes he committed. And it's possible that's what you see. You look at the gospel, you read the stories, and that's what you see. I think that'd be, a, that'd be a stretch. But certainly on a cross, you would see a criminal. Or maybe you don't see a criminal. Maybe you see a deluded lunatic who's being crucified because of his own delusions and because of his insistence on insisting he's something that he wasn't, and that ultimately he was so stupid it got him crucified. Maybe you see someone deluded and just insane being crucified because of their lunacy. But if you don't, if you don't see either a criminal on this cross because of crimes he committed, or you don't see a lunatic who's there because of his own ridiculous delusions, if you read the gospel and you listen to the words of Jesus and you understand what it says and you look at this, the only other thing you can see is unbelievable love. The only other thing you can see is that he actually was who he said he was, he actually did what he said he would do, and that on this cross, God himself loved us so much. He gave his life so that we could have eternal life. What do you see when you see the cross? Because I want to say to you, this cross, if we understand who Jesus is, the cross is the greatest demonstration of love in human history. It demonstrates that God loves us even though we don't deserve it. Because the whole point of that cross is he's not a criminal, he's not insane, he is on that cross not for his sins but for mine and for yours. He's on that cross as a sacrifice. That's why Romans 5, 8 says he demonstrates his love towards us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for who? For us. I don't think there's no more graphic and powerful image of unbelievable sacrificial love. Jesus himself said, greater love has no one than this. And he, and he lays down his life for his friends. Well, yeah. Now you understand why Jesus is my best friend. Why well, he's your best friend. I've, I've got some wonderful friends. but are not quite like that powerful image. In Luke 15, Jesus tells a story that brings to light and puts some skin on the truth of the cross. It actually tells of a father with two sons. And the younger son asks for his share of his inheritance before the father's dead. Okay, how'd you like that, dads? Be like Ryan coming to me, Dad, you're looking a little long in the tooth. I'm not sure how long. Why don't we just get this over with? Can I have my half of the inheritance? Seriously, I'm still alive. Yeah, but that's, that's day by day, Dad. Come on. It's iffy. I mean, you're in your 50s now, please. <laughs> really, this, I mean, this, is, this wasn't done. An inheritance, you're not entitled to an inheritance until after that father passes away, and you are granted that inheritance. But he has the boldness, the audacity, the foolishness, really, to ask for his inheritance while father's still alive. But in the story, Jesus says the father does it. And then Luke 15, 13, we're told, not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. Make note of that phrase. He squandered it in reckless living. When he'd spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country. He began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country who sent him into his field to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. And no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, or he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I'm perishing here with hunger. You know what? I'll arise and I'll go to my father. And I'm going to say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And so he arose and he came to his father. I love this part, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. In other words, his dad was looking for him. Dad's looking for him. He felt compassion, he ran, he embraced him, and he kissed him. And the son said to him, now note these words here. They'll seem very familiar. Father, I've sinned against heaven, and before you, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Do you know what that means? It's exactly what he said before. He was rehearsing on the way home. You ever done that? Ever mess something up or something, and you had to have a hard conversation, and so You're rehearsing. That's, that's what he was doing he was rehearsing but what I love about this is it, he gets kind of halfway through I'm no longer worthy to be called your son it's like he breathes to say the last, last part just make me like one of your servants but he never gets that out I'm no longer worthy to be called your son but the father said to his servants in other words, father's not even listening to that stuff he's, you can see he's got his arm around his son and he said to his servants bring quickly the best robe put it on him bring a ring for his hand and shoes for his feet bring the fatted calf and kill it let's eat let's celebrate For this, my son was dead and he's alive again. He was lost, he's found. And they began to celebrate. See, Jesus is telling this story to illustrate what the cross makes so abundantly clear. Father loves sinners. He loves prodigals. He loves those who have messed it up and are broken and hurting. Now, a couple things that I think are important in this story. The son understood that he was a sinner. The son understood he was a sinner. Understand, when he was squandering his property on reckless living, he didn't think he was a sinner. Because it was all good. He really, he didn't think he was a sinner. Otherwise, he would have stopped and he would have had something left. He, when he was squandering, when he was sowing those seeds, he didn't think he was a sinner. He was good. It was later on when that, obviously led to its ultimate conclusion and now a harvest of brokenness of lack of emptiness and hunger began to hit him that's when he understood that he was a sinner and that's when he had the desire to go home and see for all those who recognize how lost and broken they are and who want to come home father loves them and invites them back that's our message, that's the gospel. And
0: this is when we take a quick minute to remind to you you're, for you're listening to Real Life Pastor Radio Sean with Pastor Azaro, Sean Azaro of, of River City Community, Community Church. River City Community Church in this series called Outside the Circle and a faith gone viral That's found on the sermon page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your financial gift helps us Radio Ministry continue to help others just like you. Just find the give tab at reallife.org. And if you're looking for a new church home, Here's your invitation from Pastor Sean.
1: River City Community Church is a church for real life. Real life is what we were created for and what we're all about. In fact, our mission is more people living real life by passionately following Jesus. Hi, I'm Pastor Sean Azaro, and we believe we were made to have a life full of meaning and purpose that can only be found in relationship with our Creator. That's what real life is. It's not just a church thing. It's a way of living that powerfully impacts every area of our lives. River City is come as you are and has a relaxed, casual feel with practical teaching, inspirational worship, and age-appropriate ministry for the whole family. We're located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Matama Park. Our service times are Sundays at 9.30 and 11.15 and Mondays at 7 p.m. River City is a church for real life and so our home on the web is reallife.org. We hope you'll come and see us as you travel the road to real life.
0: And back to the message Show Me a Faith Gone Viral. This is Reaching for Real Life.
1: Understand, to those who don't think they're sinners, the gospel seems like silliness. You know, hey, do you want to be saved? Uh, from what? I'm good to go. I'm fine. It doesn't even make sense. But to those who understand and who have sown some seeds, and have started to have a bad harvest. Relationships, fruit in their lives, brokenness, emptiness. The gospel is good news. See, Father loves sinners and invites them home. Second message the cross makes clear is that Father's gone to great length to welcome sinners home. Every time we look at the cross and we see Jesus there, it's like, Look what God did to take care of our sin problem, to pay the penalty for our sins so that we could enter into relationship with Father and we could come home. Jesus paid the penalty for our sins so we could come home. But it's interesting, the story is not over. And we stop there too often because I think we're getting now to the maybe even the bigger application for us. Now, his older son was in the field. The other brother And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what this meant. The servant said to him, Well, your brother's come home, and your father's killed the fatted calf because he's received him back safe and sound. But he, the older brother, was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. He, He begged him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've served you, I've never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I could celebrate with my friends. When this son of yours... Not my brother comes home. (laughs) This son of yours, as though he's not related. When this son of yours came, who's devoured your property with prostitutes... By the way, everything he said was true. Wasn't that this was a false accusation. It was true. You killed the fatty calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It is fitting to celebrate and be glad... For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. And see, I feel like this part is maybe geared towards us because the question is, are, are we that older brother ever? What does our behavior say to lost people about Father's love? Lost people who hear about the cross, they hear about Father's love, but when they come and they encounter Father's children, Do they encounter the older brother? I've talked about this a lot. I don't, you know, I mean, I've warned against politics and what have you, but election season seems to bring it out in me and drives me crazy, okay? So I want to suggest to you, the church enjoying political favor through the early years of American history has not been good for us. I'm not saying it hasn't been good for America. (laughs) In places and times. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying I don't think it's been good for us in our understanding of the mission, because the politics of things, the mixing of our faith, and then the jump to our morals, and then the jump to our culture and our society, and the way we are to stand for our freedoms, and the way we are to contend, and the way we get into this contentious political kind of thing. I think it naturally leans towards us looking at people who don't believe the way we do and looking at them like that son of yours who wasted everything he had with prostitutes. He's getting what he deserves. And this resentment can build up in this adversary. They become the enemy when in fact they're not. They're not. They're the ones we're called to bring the good news to. They're the ones who were called to say, Father loves you so much he sent Jesus on the cross so that you could come home. Just like I was able to come home. There is no us and them, it's just us. And we get caught up in this adversarial process. I just want to say, that is not conducive to the gospel. That's what Jesus is saying in this story. It's one thing for the broken sinner to come home and find a loving father. But what do they find when they actually get in the house and the brothers and sisters are there? cross is an amazing demonstration of God's love. Viral faith requires less telling and selling, more tasting and seeing. That drops us right on our next point, our next demonstration. God's love is demonstrated in our love to the world. God's love is demonstrated in our love to the world. We get to be an illustration of God's love to the world around us. And and by the way, that means even our enemies, maybe especially our enemies, Jesus, in Luke chapter 6, beginning of verse 27, said, But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Be good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. If anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. If you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be the children of the Most High. Because He is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. He said, I want you to go love those who are outside the faith. Love those who oppose you. And he was very practical about it. He gave examples. If they strike you, turn the other cheek. If they take your coat, give your jacket. If they take something from you, don't expect it back. That gets very real, doesn't it? Many of you know, last year I had a number of guitars that I had stolen. And we found that person... I told him to keep the guitars. Now, now that didn't actually happen because we never found the person. Some of you are like, did you really? Yeah, no, and we never found the person. So I'm glad I didn't have to deal with this. Imagine, though, they do find the guy with the guitars. My luck would be that morning, this would be what I'd read in my devotions. <laughs> it would be like, Lord, are you kidding me? Good news, Mr. Rosario, that we found the guy with your guitars. You can put, see him tomorrow, and then the next morning, this is what I read. This is very real, isn't it? That's one of those things where Jesus isn't playing. He's serious. I want you to love them. I want your life to be a model of the cross. So if it means your stuff is nailed to the cross for the sake of love, I nailed my son to the cross for the sake of love. He's serious. He says love your enemies do good to them lend with them lend to them without expecting anything back then your reward will be great and listen and you will be the children of the most high you will be a chip off the old block you'll look just like the old man God look at them they look just like the old man be merciful just as your father is merciful love and mercy demonstrates the love of our father better than any sermons better than any books better than any websites Viral faith requires less telling and selling and more tasting and seeing. Last thing, and I'll wrap with this, and my kids inform me this week that when I say I'll wrap with this, that doesn't mean a dang thing. It means nothing. Okay? It's not true. I never say how quickly I'll wrap. I just say I'll wrap, and I always do. Last thing, last demonstration. God's love is demonstrated in our love for each other, and I don't want you to miss this. This is so important. It is demonstrated in our love for each other remember this passage and mike read this passage several times in the series he did called my circle well-known passage john 13 35 by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another and we focused on that love one another part you're my disciples if you love one another i want to focus on this by this everyone will know by this all people know that you're my disciples that you love one another. Our, our love for one another is a sign to everyone. Listen to how John wrote about it in 1 John 3, beginning of verse 16. He says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. In other words, if you have any doubt what love is, yeah, look at the cross. Greatest demonstration of love in history. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters, now in the family. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth, less telling and selling, more tasting and seeing. You see, one of the most powerful things we can do, one of the most viral aspects of our faith, is inviting people into a family that loves each other. Our love for each other in the context of the body matters. It matters. I have to tell you, one of the things, and I've shared this with you, but it just keeps getting worse. The way it has become popular for Christians to rip on each other, and they use blogs and social media and different means to to now just rip on and drag other members of the body of Christ, whether specifically by name or just, well, these kind, because we disagree with them politically or we disagree with the way they apply something. That is messed up, and it is not helpful to the gospel. That is what is stopping the viral nature of this faith, because love is the viral element. And, and imagine, here's how it goes. An, an unbeliever, a person who doesn't know Jesus, hears about the cross, and they truly believe and they understand, and it's like, God loved me that much. And then they experience love from the body of Christ as various projects, like with Nitton and his group, wells that are dug or ministry that we do with our local partners here, or ministry that we may do with neighbors and things. They experience something like that, go, man, this love is real. And then they get in the body of Christ, and they find no love. Do you know what that says? All the other is just a sham. It was was a show. It was a project. It was for a slideshow. That's all it was. But do you understand the opposite? If they come here They hear about the cross, the demonstration of love on the cross. They hear about the demonstration of love from from the love of Christ to people outside, the love of our enemies even. And then they come in the body of Christ and they experience a love like they've never seen. Do you realize it just says, oh my gosh, this is real. It's real. Our love for one another will either be our greatest help in making the gospel viral or it will be the obstacle, the lack of it will be the obstacle that we cannot get through. This is what puts skin on it. This is it. And you need to understand, remember, every person, I don't care how how much animosity they express towards the gospel, they're hungry for love. And so when they come in and they see a people who care for each other and love each other and just minister to and with each other, do you know how appealing that is? It's like, man, where have you been all my life? That's exactly what happened in Acts chapter 2. Remember, Peter preaches a sermon day of Pentecost. Thousands are saved. They come to the gospel. Then the description of those people in Acts 2, 44 through 47. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. They're selling their possessions and goods. They're, some people say, well, that's, that's socialism. No, it wasn't his family. They were taking care of one another. That's all. And, and then, praising God and having favor with all the people. And then this sentence is kind of a tag-on because it's a different subject. Everything else was about their involvement with one another. And it says, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And you're almost like, well, well, who wouldn't want that? These people who love each other, caring for each other. Who wouldn't want to be a part of that? The connection between these is really instructive. Their fellowship, their love for one another became the salt that created a thirst for living water.
0: That's powerful.
1: That's what made their faith multiply and spread virally.
0: That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life. And if you'd like to hear this full message in the series on a faith gone viral which is available right now on demand when you find the sermons link at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email that this program blessed you, or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Please find the Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road, right next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262 as Reaching for Real Life is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time for more Real Life.